Welcome into another edition of Region Roundup. I'm James Boyd here with Mike Clark. And I have to say, fair warning, this is my last Region Roundup podcast. Um, for those of you who don't know, I received a promotion to go cover the Illini, um, you know, my alma mater. So uh, I'll be moving down to the Champaign-Urbana area within like the next two weeks, three weeks or so. Um, it's been a fun ride. I'll get more into that towards the end of this podcast. But I want to share that. Um, but yeah, you won't hear my my voice, my beautiful, you know, uh, you know, Emmy Oscar worthy, you know, voice here. <laughs> but uh, as I was to ask, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and uh, it's actually interesting because the, the timing of this is uh, kind of uh, I don't know, curious, ironic, whatever. Today is the two year anniversary of my coming back to the times, the most recent time. Um, those of you who may have been reading the Times for a while know that I have been here. I've left, I've come back a few times, actually four times to be precise. This is my fourth stint at the Times, which is something that, you know, I never really expected that to happen, you know, the going away and coming back so many times. But uh, so I'll be in a little bit of a reflective mood probably here too. And, uh, but we will get to that. We'll get to the the reflective part of it later. And uh, before we do that, um, we have a lot of news to talk about. Um, so, for those who may not be aware, uh, two of the best high school softball teams in the entire country um, are like three or four miles apart, uh, <laughs> and they're right here in Northwest Indiana, which is kind of crazy. Um, it's not the first time that something like this has happened. I think we talked, I don't know if I talked with you about this, but uh, back in the, uh, oh gosh, must have been in the 90s, I guess, um, EC Central and Lake Central. We did talk um, about this, yes. Yeah, were two of the top girls basketball teams in the country. So that was kind of cool. Um, but now we got two of the top softball teams in the country, um, and you were there for their second meeting of the year and probably not their last. Yeah, so um, Lake Central won the first matchup 4-2 to two at home, and this time Crown Point got a bit of revenge and won 5 nothing. Um, I think the coolest thing about the game, Mike, was, one, deadline purposes. I love going to like very high-level softball games because they're very quick. Um, not many mistakes and, and, and you know usually both teams have good pitchers and good clean play and, and honestly the 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 running joke that I have uh with with the, with the coaching staff at Crown Point and Lake Central was like it's almost like a college game there's so many college recruits and a lot of division one college, college recruits on both teams that um you know a hard hit ground ball is you know going to get turned over you know for a put out pretty much every single time you know so it's it's a very clean game and I think uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me yesterday was that Crown Point went with Grace Luca, a senior pitcher. Um, um, and the plan originally, Mike, it's in my story, was for her to go through like one, um, you know, cycle of the lineup. That was uh, what what uh, the head coach Andy Angie Richwalski told me. Um, and she was going to put in Maddie Ellis, who's the Arizona commit, younger sister of Miranda Ellis. You know, yada yada yada. And uh, she said that Grace was going so well that she figured. You know, I probably shouldn't take her out, you know, because she's, she's, you know, she hasn't given up any runs. And as it turns out, she pitched a, a you know, a, a complete game shutout, only gave up two hits and two walks to a very talented Lake Central team. Um, and and they, they basically 
just got back even with them. Um, at this point, with the way the, the conference's schedule is set up, um, barring any incredible upsets, uh, they'll both end as DSC co-champs. And like you said, um, you know, this is their second meeting. They could meet again in the regional if they're both able to you know, win their sectionals, which they are favored to win. Um, nothing's guaranteed, obviously, come postseason, but just keep that in mind that it could be a trilogy. Um, but it was a really fun game. I mean, Matty Ellish hit, you know, two home runs. And when your uh, pitcher doesn't have to pitch, your ace pitcher, um, you know, doesn't pitch and still hits two home runs and a double. And I'm like, wow, that's that's a pretty good athlete. That's kind of why she's going to Arizona. So um, it, it was a great game. I, I, I asked Jeff Sherman afterwards, Lake Central coach, I was like, is it almost a good thing to get your first loss of the year? You know, just get it out the way. I don't know if, you know, you want to go. Obviously, you want to win every game, but I feel like it's almost better to, you know, lose and feel human while you still can before the season's over. And he was like, bump that. I want to win. So I was like, okay, coach. Like, I, I, I agree with you. But he did say, he was saying, like, you know, it'll be good to see how his team responds because they haven't had to respond to a loss all year. I mean, they're 19-1, and one, if we're crying out loud, so they're certainly not having a bad year. Um, so, like he told me yesterday, it's not a blemish on their, on their season. And he also pointed out that it's really hard to go undefeated in baseball and softball. Um, I would say it's hard to go undefeated in those sports um, as opposed to basketball and, and uh, football. Obviously, football's a lot shorter schedule. And in basketball, you can have – you can pretty much pencil a kid in for like 20 points, 25 points a night, but you can't pencil in a kid for, you know uh, – you know, a home run every other game. It just doesn't work that way. And then also you can't play your best pitcher every game. Um, you know, in basketball and football, you play your best players every single game. So um, I do think the outcome could have been different if Lake Central had gone with Peyton Pepkowski, who's a Loyola recruit. She's their ace. Um, she is phenomenal, in my opinion, probably or arguably the best pitcher in the region this year. Um, so that's something to look forward to if they meet again and you come June. Um, I believe that both of them will have their aces. I believe um, Grace did a great job and certainly earned consideration, I guess, if that were, meeting were to happen again. But it would be hard for me to to picture them not starting Maddie Ellis and the relationship not starting Peyton Pepkowski and letting the chips fall where they may. But uh, it was a great game, clean game. And like you said, two teams nationally ranked. And it's funny that you brought that up because I actually talked to, uh, to people in the press box yesterday. I was like, hey, I, I remember uh, my editor. And I was like, he told me that. You know, this is kind of how it was with you know, Lake Central Girls Basketball and, and EC Central Girls Basketball. And, and they were telling me, like, oh, yeah, like it was, you know, standing room only for those games. So it's, it's kind of crazy that you have two really, really talented softball teams that will not meet, you know, at the semi-state or state level. But they'll be duking it out, you know, most likely for a chance to get to, to, to that round. So um, it was crazy. And, and when I was there, people were asking me, like, oh, I didn't expect to see you here. And I told them, hey, don't, don't run me off too soon. I got one softball game left in me. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, and you think about the girls' basketball situation, they were in the same sectional, you know. So I think one of those nationally ranked teams didn't get out of the sectional because that's the geography of it. So they're, cause they were both obviously big schools. Um, so that was, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see that coming around again. Um, so the other thing that's going on right now uh, is uh, the. Four schools in Hammond, uh, the era of that, for public schools, that is, um, is coming to a close with uh, the spring season. And what that means is uh, the athletic directors at the, uh, at the two uh, schools going forward, Hammond Central and Morton, 
our uh, Sean Kinsey at Morton and uh, Chris Moore at Hammond Central are putting together their staffs. And uh, some of them were no surprise, um, which we'll get to. Um, and I, I don't know that any of them were necessarily surprises, but there were there was one hire that was just, I mean, so obvious that there was just not going to be any <laughs> doubt about it. So, um, But, yeah, so those are starting to come to fruition now. I mean, I don't know that we have all of them yet. Um, I'm not sure that they've named all the spring coaches yet, but we're pretty much set for the uh, fall and winter. So, um, if, and you know, one of the other things, too, I, got, I want to mention this before I let you uh, – to, before I turn it over to you here, but uh, Larry Moore Sr. Um, is retiring as athletic director at Hammond High. Um, and uh, it's a very, uh, I, I actually am going to try to reach out to him, you know, and talk to him about uh, his years because, uh, you know, we talked about this in the pod before. You know, he was a star, uh, high school star, you know, a senior all star teammate of Larry Bird. Um, he coached very successfully at St. Francis de Sales, which is, you know, basically right across the state line on the, on the east side neighborhood. Um, and then uh, he coached at Clark and he coached at Hammond High himself before turning it over to his son, Larry Moore Jr., um, who's had a remarkable run and uh, is going to have a, another remarkable run. I'm going to go out on the record and say it at Hammond Central. But he, Larry Moore Jr., so is one of the and there are a few more that you were uh, writing about here. Yeah, so I, do, I definitely want to throw this out there really quick. And this is a story that I'll be having coming later today. Talked to Larry Moore uh, this morning about him being officially named uh, the Hammond Central coach. I guess they announced all their coaches um, at Tuesday's board meeting, but somehow, I guess, lost in you know uh, tra- tra- transit. I only got a couple of them. Obviously, uh, Larry Moore Jr. would have been my would be my headliner, but. Um, I'll have more on that. But ironically, you know, it's funny you bring that up, Mike, about his father. His father is actually going to be the assistant uh, AD at Hammond Central. Oh, you really? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, that's good. Okay. Yeah. So he'll be continuing to work with his son um, and kind of starting this new era in Hammond. So I'm really excited about that. And obviously, you can still talk to him about his time at Hammond. And all I ask is if you talk to him, you ask him if he ever gave, you know, Larry Bird some buckets, Okay. That's all I need to know. I mean, I'm not comparing careers. Obviously, Larry, Larry Legend. But I just want to know if Larry's human. You know, I, I hear a lot about this Larry guy. I was not born yet. So I'd like to think that somebody else, you know, had a little had a little game, too, to make that uh, Indiana All-Star team. So um, right. <laughs> on a more serious note, like I said, uh, Larry Moore is going to be pegged as the, as the boys basketball coach for Hammond Central. Um, the girls basketball coach will actually be Okeisha Howard, who's coming over. Um, I believe it might have been from uh, from Gavitt. And then, um, yeah, she's coming over from Gavitt. Um, oh, I'm sorry. She's coming over from Clark. And then the Morton girls basketball coach is Alana Anderson. She's coming over from Gavitt. And then the Morton boys basketball coach is uh, is Aaron Abram, who was on Larry Moore Jr.'s staff at Hammond. Um, and then, the, obviously, the, the big one that I wanted to get out there, which I did get out there, was Adam Hudak being the first football coach at uh, Hammond Central um, he comes over from Wheeler. Um, he's a region guy, 1998 graduate of Lowell. So um, he's well known in these parts. Had a pretty good turnaround at Wheeler, um, helping them uh, get their first winning season um, last fall since I think 2015. So um, he's he's a proven coach and he's excited. I mean, all of them are excited. The, the theme I'm hearing is that you know, obviously you're excited to be the first at anything, but 
Um, they're also mentioning how they're like on an even playing field when it comes to like facilities and, 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 and things like that, you know, and just having the proper things uh, that you need to, to have a high level program. So I think now, you know, we look at Hammond Central and, and the things they're going to have, they'll be able to look more like a, you know, more on the levels like some of these DAC schools and nice NCC schools that have the really nice fields and, you know, really nice courts and, and, and you know, uh, you know, things like that, practice facilities and things that, you know, frankly speaking, that they weren't really there, you know, some of these Hammond schools. So while it is kind of sad to see some of these schools close down, it's also exciting to see kind of this, uh, this, you know, new energy swirling around Hammond Central. Um, I've seen some things on Facebook, people saying I'm still going to call them the Wildcats. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a passionate group over there, but those are some of the big name hires. Like you said, they've hired most of their, uh, um, uh, coaches and uh, actually Mike just texted me during this podcast. Thank you, Mike. Very clutch. I forgot. Um, Mac Mishler is the Morton football coach. Sorry, I forgot that too. He was another one that was kind of a given. Um, but yeah, those are all the, I guess, big name coaches. They've named a lot of the fall coaches too. I won't get into all of those because I'll be naming names forever, but um, those are the main coaches. I'll have more on that later today, like I said, because I, I really didn't know that all of them had been announced. It was kind of weird how everything got rolled out, but I have the info now, story coming later. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a really big news in the region, and obviously I'll be uh, helping my guy John Harrell out by getting these names out on Twitter as well. <laughs> okay, and uh, one of your... Uh other stories this week among the many stories this week um we talked about uh we talked about riley johnston and the johnston pole vault family tree quite a bit um you've written about it quite a bit and riley picked a school and uh i don't know i mean jokingly i'll say it's maybe it's a little bit of a surprise i don't know um given his family history so yeah uh i, I would definitely say it probably is um i so those of you who don't know, um, Riley Johnson is the grandson of uh, Jim Johnston Sr. and son of Jim Johnston Jr. Um, both were uh, standout Hobart pole vaulters, went on to you know, compete at Purdue and win Big Ten championships. His grandfather, grandfather actually won a national championship uh, in 1958 in you know, pole vaulting. So um, it's, it's, it's quite a big deal in their family. And um, they're boilermakers through and through. And then uh, Riley goes and picks IU. So I asked him, I was like, um, you know, uh, how's your family reacting to this? And he had a, I have a quote in my story about his grandpa. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he was basically saying, like, you know, if my grandpa was here, I'd be getting an earful about not being a Boilermaker. But I think he'd be proud of me. Um, and he kind of laughed it off. But he basically just said, like, you know, while he's proud to carry on his family tradition as, as like, another collegiate pole vaulter, um, he kind of just wants to write his own chapter, um, go somewhere where he's kind of, uh, you know, I guess not as well known. But um, either way, they were happy for him. I asked them, you know, it, it, you know, if, if you're going to get your dad in some uh, Boilermaker gear. And he was like, man, it might be tough. But uh, he actually sent me a photo uh, afterwards after he signed um, where him and his mom and his dad were all wearing Hoosiers gear. So I guess love trumps, you know, whatever college you went to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was quite a big deal. Um, the, the biggest thing he's focusing on now that he's made his college decision is trying to be a, a state champion like his uh, like his grandfather was. I mean. Only thing about it is Riley's working his way back from a torn hamstring, so uh, you know he's taking it very, very slow. But he finished third two years ago as a sophomore at the state meet, and then um, you know in football as a starting quarterback, he was the state runner-up this past year in Class 4A with Hobart. So uh, he was just telling me, you know, when you get so close to being the best in the state and, and being able to say you're number one, 
You know, he's like, it, it kind of eats at you when you don't get it. So, you know, this is his last chance to, you know, to get a get a chance to stand atop the podium. So he's going to go for it. And hopefully he has the, the health to at least give it his best shot. You know, obviously nothing's guaranteed. I'm sure the other kids working just as hard and are, you know, just as deserving. But all I ask is that hopefully, you know, he'll be healthy enough to, to you know, give it a go. So um, that was a fun story just because. You know, my last week here, and I've written so many stories about Riley, and he kind of hit me up. He's like, hey, man, I know you're leaving soon, but can you do a story for me? And uh, that was uh, that was pretty humbling, you know. You get somebody to ask you to do a story about him. And he actually talked to me before he made a, a public announcement, which, um, you know, all journalists usually appreciate. You know, you can write it early, get it nice and squared away and set up. And, you know, it was pretty cool just um, having it, you know, being pre-timed. And as soon as he signs, we just press send, and it goes out to the world. So I appreciate that, Riley. You're always good about me helping me with my deadline. So um, hopefully that continues, you know, in my next endeavors <laughs> with the Illini. Right. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, you know, I know some people kind of feel like, okay, well, football's not going on. Uh, basketball's not going on. So the spring is not as much going on. Well, that's not true. No. Um, you know, just what we've, we just covered here shows that this has been a really packed week for you and it's not even over yet um it's been kind of a busy week for me too and uh one of the uh interesting things that i got to go out and see yesterday uh, we were recording this on thursday so it was wednesday the railcats opened spring training and why that's a big deal is the railcats didn't have spring training last year the railcats yeah. opt- opted out of uh 2020 season in the American Association uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, the American Association uh, had has 12 teams. Actually, it's not the same 12 teams this year as last year. We don't need to get into that. But they had 12 teams last year also. Six of them played uh, a shortened schedule. But uh, this year, uh, we're back to 12 teams, 100-game schedule. Um, there's a couple of things going on. One of them is, uh, I know the... Uh, there's been some high school baseball played out at the Steel Yard, mm-hmm. um, the usual uh, games that we've had. And uh, for anybody who hasn't been out there yet or uh, you know, maybe was waiting for the Railcats to start, um, you're going to be surprised when you see the place because uh, starting on March 1st, um, basically uh, they did a total renovation of the park. And uh, so there is a brand-new playing surface put in with the assistance of Roger Bossard, who is the longtime groundskeeper of the White Sox, you know, probably the most famous and the best groundskeeper in the entire world, actually. He's put in fields in Saudi Arabia, um, all over the United States and Canada. Um, he's a kind of a local guy, too. He grew up in South Holland. Um, and uh, I talked to him, I've talked to him a few times over the years. Uh, just a super genuinely nice guy. And also, again, really, really good at what he does, which is making grass look great on baseball <laughs> fields. Uh, so there's a new field. Uh, they also moved the fences in 18 feet in right center because they decided to put the bullpens back there. Uh, the bullpens had been uh, in foul territory behind first and third base. Uh, it's kind of like the, uh, the configuration of Wrigley Field before the Cubs also changed their configuration. Um, So basically, uh, it was a safety issue, among other things. I was talking to Brian Leiter, the president of the Railcats. There there have been some safety concerns over the years about having 
the bullpens on the field in you know in the field of play. Uh, basically, you have to have you know for folks who've been to baseball games, you know you have to have what they call protectors, which is somebody who will stand behind the catcher um, in the bullpen just to make sure that uh, you know foul balls or thrown balls coming in that direction don't uh, hit anybody. Um, but anyway, it was just a safety thing mainly. Um, and now, so the we have fences that are a lot closer in uh, right center, and uh, there's also a funky little. Uh, corner down in the right field corner now because the the fence the original right field corner is there and then the fence goes about I don't know 30 feet and then it angles straight back into the playing field so there's like a little pocket back there and it's going to be interesting to see how Karams play off the, uh, the right field corner uh, there but uh, also not just that but they've also uh, ripped out the old uh, playground area behind the center field scoreboard. There's going to be a brand new one there. Um, kids will be able to uh, take batting practice there, too. Basically, from, you know, little kids can, you know, can hit against uh, very slow speeds, you know. Middle school, high school kids can hit against uh, faster speeds. Um, it's going to be a, uh, a new uh, concession area back there as well. Uh, they also took out seats down the right field line and turn that into a second berm uh there's been a berm in right center for since the park was there and now there's a second berm also uh they put a new bar in behind home plate um and they've painted everything uh it's it's the ballpark is coming up on 20 years old and it looks great uh, i would encourage anybody who's interested you know in baseball or just a good time you know, just head out there, you know, for sure this summer the Railcats will have 50 home games. Um, also a couple of exhibitions, actually, that are coming up starting on Saturday. But it's uh, it's going to be fun uh, to see what the new ballpark looks like. It's just going to be fun to have baseball back after a two-year absence. Uh, the team is going to look a little bit different. Uh, actually, it's going to look a lot different um, because of the uh, fact that they didn't play last year. Some of the Players have moved on to other teams. Uh, some are retired. Um, you know, just that's just the nature of the game. I mean, it's a kind of a minor league baseball, especially independent minor league baseball, is kind of a transitory thing anyway. Um, and there are actually two players who were at spring training yesterday who were at spring training in 2019 on opening day. Uh, Trevor Lubking, uh, who's going to be their ace pitcher, is one of them. He was with the team all of 2019. And then Zach Wells. Um, as an outfielder who was who made the team as a non-roster player in 2019, and he is back. But that's it. There are a few other players who saw time at various uh, time during this 2019 season, but they weren't around for the entire season. So, so anyway, um, you know, James, as you know, uh, baseball is very dear, near and dear to my heart. So it's great to see this back. The Oilmen are also. Gearing up to play as well. They just named a manager, TJ Merrick. Uh, they've been rolling out some of their roster lately, too. So we're going to have the Oilmen actually did play last summer. Um, so we're going to have uh, the Oilmen and the Real Jets back this summer. Um, and you need to come back and see a game sometime. So, you know, you don't even have to write about it. So that's that's the go. part that, that people don't realize. Like, we, we as journalists, we don't get paid to just go to games and go home. So um, it'll be <laughs> nice to go to game and go home right after. But yeah. I had a lot of good times at uh at, the, at you know 
with the Railcats, going out to talk to coach, you know, uh, talk to manager Greg Taggart, and you know him, you know, going on a soliloquy for ten minutes after one question. Um, he's awesome. I think he's a perfect guy for that type of thing. And like you said, there's because it's so, uh, you know, transitive and, and, and players coming and going. There's always a unique story about how some player ended up there, or or you know, if they have a little success, you know, this this background where you're like, man, you were, you know, they could have been. Overseas, you know, one of them could have been overseas. Another one could have been working in like a, a, a factory somewhere. And it's like, wow, you're, you're here today altogether. So it's always a unique situation as, as a story writer and as a storyteller you can appreciate. And um, in that same breath, I do want to mention that uh, while the Railcats will be starting up, uh, like we talked about a little bit earlier, the school city of Hammond is getting ready to consolidate. And as a way to kind of commemorate the four um, current public high schools in Hammond, which is Hammond High, Gavitt, Clark, and Morton, um, they're having a uh, just a, a, I guess, all Hammond uh, tournament this, this Saturday. Um, it'll be at Dowling Park. It's called The Last Inning. Um, first game is going to be Clark and Gavitt at 10 a.m. Second game will be Morton and Hammond at, at 12 p.m. at noon. And then um, they'll have a consolation game for the losers of the first uh, two games, and they have a championship game for the winner of the first two games. So, you know, if you have a chance to go out and you want to just get out and get some fresh air and see some high school baseball, go check that out just because this will be the last time something like this happens for those schools. And, you know, these are, I'm sure uh, there will be a lot of uh, just faithful, you know, uh, Hammond graduates there, you know, excited to just see their school compete against each other, you know, probably for the last time, some of them to see them play against each other. So um, I think it's really cool that they did this. Um, this was not something that, you know, was set in stone uh, when the consolidation was announced. This is something they came up with. And um, they kind of dubbed it the last inning after uh, MJ's The Last Dance last summer that we were all watching at this point in time because we weren't going anywhere. So I'm glad that a year later we can go somewhere and see some kids play the sports they love. Um, and and like, like, like you said, um, you love baseball. I don't really love baseball, but I love the kids that play baseball. So um, there's my compromise. Um, you know, it, it should be fun for a lot of people involved. And I tell myself, like, oh, man, I, I don't really like softball. I don't like baseball. But then I go it's like a game like yesterday between Crown Point and Lake Central softball. And I'm like glued to every play. And, you know, I'm wondering, like, how this kid reacts and things like that. So it's fun. Um, I think you just have to appreciate the fact that, you know, these kids are, are still playing and still committed to their programs. I mean, how many kids do you know would just not play, you know, if they knew it was the last season and they're not a senior. But um, the fact that they came out in the same way it was in football and basketball, you know, they're, they're coming and playing during a pandemic, no less, um, knowing it's their last season and still giving it their best effort, which I think is commendable. Absolutely. And uh, that kind of leads us into uh, your column about uh, a couple of uh, West Side athletes uh, who have a pretty um, – compelling story yeah so this was a unique column just because it was man mike this was eating at me a while so for those you don't know i wrote about perion and paris roberson the two twins fraternal twins on west side's team uh they helped west side get to the semi-state game when their first regional sectional 16 years yada 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 um but you know the first time i wrote about them was more so about how they're you know they have really differing personalities that kind of uh, you know, goes hand in hand with the, the fact that they don't look alike at all. Um, they don't look related at all. You know, one's tall, one's short, one's lighter, one's darker. Um, one wears goggles when he plays, the other one doesn't. So, I mean, they don't really have anything in common besides their last name. So, um, all that being said, the first story I did on them did not really focus on 
what drives them. And I remember this day distinctly. It was March 9th uh, because I went to three different high schools that day. <laughs> yeah, I, went, I went to Hammond. This was the leading up to the regional and me being me. Um, we probably could have, you know, handed off a story to a stringer or something. But I was like, you know what? I want them all. Um, so I think we had six teams advance to, to the regional round. So I had six stories to do about sectional winners. And uh, I figured that one day, since Hammond, Westside, and Bowman are all pretty close together, I would just, you know, hit them all up. So I went to Hammond first, then went to Westside, and I was running late to go to Bowman. And so I got done with my Westside interview, doing, you know, talking to Perry on in Paris, and how I already, you know, honed in on the whole twin angle. And, um, it took me some time after that to realize that that wasn't really the story. The story is about how both of them lost their uh, their dad pretty young in eighth grade, and then their their grandma um, in eighth grade. Their dad died from kidney failure. Their grandma died from ovarian cancer, and uh, those were two pillars in their lives. At the time, I didn't know you know about that at all. I just remember uh, you know wrapping up my interview, heading out the door, and. You know, joking with my, hey man, why you guys play so hard? Like, why do you ever take a break? Do you ever just relax? And like, and, and Perion told me, yeah, well, man, we just play for our mom and our dad. You know, a lot of kids play for their parents or their loved ones or somebody. And I just thought, okay, cool. That's you know, that's that's unique. But um, the way I shaped the article was a better journalist would have stopped and asked why. That's that's always the question you ask, you know. And again, I was I was rushing. I and, and it still wasn't a bad story. The first one, it just wasn't the story. Um, so that was bothering me a lot. And after Perion committed to Purdue Northwest, um, that's when I kind of reapproached him and uh, asked him about his grandma and his mom. I mean, his mom, his grandma and his dad, as well as his mom, who's uh, still alive. She's holding it down for him and his brother. Um, and yeah, long, long story short, I didn't know about their dad and their grandma until after the season was over. They posted some stuff on Facebook talking about how they really wish they would have won a state championship for them. And, you know, if you were still here, what would you think? That sort of thing. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, and it clicked in my brain. Like, that's why they said that. That's why Perion said, like, oh, they're, they're no longer here. So um, having a pretty good relationship with them already, I reached out to Perion after he committed to Purdue Northwest, asked him if he wanted you a story about it. I asked him if he wanted to talk about, you know, I guess playing for, you know, his, his angels. And he was, you know, more than willing to. And I also talked to Paris about it as well. And uh, I think they really appreciated the chance to uh, vent, basically. Um, we talked about it a lot, Mike, when we do these type of stories. You know, it's always their choice to share. And some people don't want to share those things. But considering that it has, you know, again, this happened in eighth grade. It's been about four or five years since then. They've had some time to grow and deal with it and kind of process it. Um, it's not that fresh, even though it, to them it still feels like, it, you know, it just happened. Um, I think that, you know, having matured allowed them to kind of talk to me, you know, uh, from a sense of appreciation rather than like grief, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, check the story out. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it was one that to me was about as real as it can get when it comes to just giving you, I guess, the insight as to how my brain processed the first story and how I, to me, messed up. Like, I really felt bad not getting that into the story. But, um, you know, you, you learn and hopefully I'm a better journalist now than I was back then. And I'll ask why going forward. But uh, it was a unique story about those two. And um, after reading that, I think you'll understand, those of you who have seen them play, why they play so hard. It's because, they were you know, this particular season, they knew it was their last chance to get that state championship. And they were right there. And, you know, they were two you know, vital parts of 
of this team. Sure, they had Jalen Washington, who's, you know, the, the top recruit, and Kamari Peterson, who's the player of the year, but those two players alone don't, you know, get that team to where they were. It was a very collective effort by Westside, and the Roberson twins did their part and then some. So, um, yeah, I, those, you know, I don't like to write columns very often, but I feel like when I'm compelled to, usually, hopefully, it makes somebody else feel something. Oh, well, it, it does. Um, you know, and, uh, and I actually will, you know, so this is the what was uh, teased up at the top of the podcast. Uh, this is the time to, to reflect a little bit. And uh, it's kind of a good lead in because uh, I know I've pushed you to do columns. Um, yeah. uh, I know that. Uh, so, yeah, just to run down the, uh, the timeline a little bit here to give folks a little bit of perspective. So I I uh, started back at the times two years ago today as the night editor a couple of months after that i became the sports editor and began working with you um on a more uh, formal and organized basis i guess mm-hmm. and then uh, that lasted until last october um when we reorganized some things at the paper i was assigned to cover illinois news and sports kind of restart that coverage which we paper had kind of gotten away from uh, around five years ago and they decided they wanted to get back into covering illinois news and sports again i had a little bit of institutional knowledge there so um that was my assignment um we still kind of work together a little bit i guess on, on the sports side Aaron ferguson is now uh the deputy sports editor and he is uh in charge of sports but uh yeah, I mean, during the time that I was directly your boss, um, I know that I was pushing you to do more columns because I think you have a pretty uh, unique perspective and a pretty unique voice, and uh, it has been uh, it has been a ride. Um, and just going back to what you're saying about the uh, the Roberson twins, um, you know, in terms of you know, sometimes a story does get away from us. You know, that's just. <laughs> Journalism is kind of a, uh, is not an exact science, um, you know, getting a little bit uh, insider here, I guess, you know, the way, you know, we operate, um, you know, we're always looking for stories, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's the, uh, that's, that's what we're, we're seeking out every single day. And uh, you never know where stories are going to come up and you never know how you're going to find out about stories. Like you said, that was kind of like a, an offhand remark, you know, by one of the Roberson twins, you know, at the end of an interview about something else, you know, and that's kind of the, the way the spark works. You know, that's one of the reasons that you mentioned, you know, that you want to get out to the schools, you know, and we've had this discussion as well. I said, James, you got to do some of this over the phone. <laughs> You'd say, Mike, you know, but I got to go out there, you know. So we go back and forth on that in a good-natured way. But, uh, you know, and I'm trying to save you some time, and you're trying to get better stories. And we know we're all we're all kind of pulling in the same direction, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's that's it's one of the uh, it's one of the things that we kind of butt our heads against up butt our heads up against. Um, you know, on a regular basis, you know, there are so many stories and so little time. And yeah. that's kind of what it comes down to. You know, it's like, I'm sure, you know, it, it's 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 going to be tough for you to leave because I'm sure you're going to feel like, well, I wish I'd gotten to that story, you know. And I mean, I'm yeah. kind of like that right now. <laughs> you know, it's like I have stories on my list, you know, that I really want to do. 
haven't had time to get to them yet, you know, and I've, you know, I feel bad for sources sometimes because, you know, sources reach out and say, you know, here's, here's something that's going on. You know, you might be interested in it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I would be interested in it. I am interested in it, you know, and then, uh, you know, a few days go by, a week goes by, maybe two weeks, you know, it's like, I haven't done it yet. And the source is like, you know, I just want to make sure, you know, they'll check in, you know, and are you still interested? You know, I'm, yeah, I'm interested. It's not a question of lack of interest. It's a question of lack of time. So, yeah. um, so this is kind of the, you know, what, I mean, and this is kind of a general thing, you know, it's not unique to, to either one of us, obviously, but, uh, kind of where I was going with this ramble here was that, uh, you know, it's been, uh, it's been great working with you, um, because um, your passion for finding stories and telling those stories is remarkable. And the fact that, you know, you came to the region, what, three years ago, you know, with really not much uh, of a background in Indiana sports, no. Indiana high school <laughs> sports, the region or anything, you know, and you just immersed yourself in it. Um, and you've gotten to the point where, again, you, you've got people calling you with story tips all the time, you know, Facebook messaging you, texting you, you know, whatever, Twitter DMing you, you know, and it's a testament to, to what you, what your effort is, whatever you put in, you know, it's like people recognize that. You know, people in the region um, appreciate hard work. They appreciate passion for your job and they see that in you. And, uh, you know, we are uh, going to miss you, uh, something fierce, but we are so happy for you um, in that you're moving forward in your career. Um, we're gl I'm glad, personally, that you're staying at, you know, within Lee Enterprises. Um, again, as you mentioned, you know, this is uh, you know, not leaving the company or anything like that. This is going to cover Illini Sports for Illinois newspapers. Um, so... I'm um, thrilled to see what is going to happen next for you. Um, you know, and I certainly hope you won't be a stranger. No, not at all. Um, Mike will still, you know, correspond on Twitter frequently, very frequently. But, um, yeah, all I can say is that it's been such a, a crazy, fun ride. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, I can think of, of crazy experiences. I mean, I've, I've, I've hopped the fence at Crown Point trying to get out. <laughs> After, you know, writing a story. And if anybody knows, like, the fence at Crown Point for softball and baseball is tall. So I had to go back to my youth to, to get over that thing. Um, and, you know, there was a time I went out to Benton Central to cover an Andrean uh, playoff game for football. Then, you know, Benton Central's in, like, the middle of nowhere. So I had to drive to, like, 20 minutes to get to the nearest McDonald's and turn the story in. And, like, you know, follow the story in, like, 15 minutes. And... You know, uh, people are asking me, you know, you know, hey, do you want like, you know, something to drink? No, I want to get my story done. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it, it's those are the experience I, I'm looking back. It's like, man, you know, I went to even this past year, I covered Maryville football at Elkhart and it was freezing cold. And, you know, imagine trying to, you know, pound a story out in 20 minutes when your hands are, you know, ice cubes. So um, I wouldn't trade it for anything, though, just because um, I think the toughness of it makes you a better writer. And then overall, um, being a just, a, I guess, a kid coming out of, out of college and then still being a kid now, I guess an older, wiser kid, uh, you know, you learn and, and so much from people you encounter. 
And um, like I've said many times before, uh, I'm inspired by the kids that, that we that we've covered just because, you know, you don't realize what they're dealing with sometimes on a daily basis and, and what they're going through. And I've had the chance to tell some of those stories and I couldn't tell them all, which is, you know, I guess the bittersweet part about it. It's like, man, like if I could be in two places at once, I would. If I could split myself in two and cover two beats, I would. If I could tell every story ever, I probably would. But it's just not how it goes. So. I did. Um, I sincerely did my best, and, and I think that I, that shows in the work. Um, and you know whether that was driving all the time, or you know I got seventy nine thousand miles in my car, um, and I bought it brand new before I got this job. So a lot of a lot of miles put in the car. Um, you know, state trips and and going to, you know, you know I was out in Wheatfield, you know, last weekend for Kankakee Valley, which is you know on a Friday leaving my house. I kid you not. Left my house at two thirty-seven, and I didn't get to Kankakee Valley until five, like oh two. Um, the game started like exactly at five, and I was lucky that they had you know some announcements that you know did, that I, I didn't I didn't have to miss any of the pitches. But I was thinking, I thought to myself, Mike, seriously, I thought I was like, okay, it's not going to take more than two hours. And um, you know, Friday in traffic said, uh, you thought wrong, James. So you know, those are the times people are like, man, why did you do this? How could you do this? But I guess in the end, I never, you know envision myself being in the region forever as far as being like the the 20 year region reporter um even with my my new job i don't picture myself being there for you know 10 12 20 years but at the same time i also know that while i'm there and while i'm in these moments you gotta just enjoy it so um i enjoyed it i had a lot of fun i I smiled you know a lot and and even with the mask on this past year i'm sure if people could see me underneath the mask like it was it was pretty positive for me i mean you know, after a while, you get used to some of that deadline pressure early on. It scared the life out of me to keep to keep you know stats and, and have to write and, and tweet and all that. And and now it's like riding a bike. So I'm looking forward to some new challenges. I'm looking forward to being uncomfortable. And as my grandma and my mom say, you know, uh, the only way you grow is to, is to try something new and get uncomfortable. So that's what I'm gonna do. Um, I'm familiar with you know the Illini. Like I said, I went to school there, so it's not like a completely unfamiliar place. But at the same time. Um, it's a new challenge, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot more Zoom calls and a lot of people on the beat, a lot more eyes on the beat. So I have to work hard to, you know, create my own type of, uh, I guess, flavor to that beat. But um, there's one thing I know 100 percent that I wouldn't be in this position had I not, you know, been here at the times for the last two and a half years. I mean, oh, man, like, it was so, it was so much fun. I mean, being the, the young reporter too, getting stopped at games because people think I'm a student. Um, and, and, you know, people telling me like, hey, my son wants to go into journalism. Hey, can you give him some tips or can you, you know, even now, like even though I'm leaving, I've had a few uh, teachers who read my stuff saying like, hey, you know, when you get settled, can you, you know, do a Zoom call with my class, you know, or something like that. So um, I'm all for it. If anybody in the region ever needs anything or wants, I guess, my insight, whatever advice I can offer, um, you know, feel free to hit me up. All my social media is open. And um, to all the kids that I covered, all the athletes that I wrote about, coaches, parents, um, I appreciate the support more than you know. And I think more than anything, I just wanted these these athletes to know that they mean something. That uh, whether you're you know a Division One athlete or just an athlete like I was that, that played in high school and that was it, um, you matter. Um, you know your your dreams matter. Whatever you want to do in life, you can do it. Just uh, stay committed, stay positive, and um, enjoy the ride. And, and take a lot of pictures because I wish I took more. Um, not like in, in a conceited way, but just in a way like, dang, like I've went to so many places 
and I don't have pictures of all those places and all things you did because you think in the moment you're trying to get things done, but then looking back now, I'm like, dang, like there's a lot of great memories. Like I could go on and on. Um, I have a column coming about it. I've been kind of putting it off because I'm just like, where do I even start? But uh, I promise by the end of the weekend, I'll have something to, to put out there that's coherent, you know, with my time here. So thank you all so much. James, I got to say, I'm going to miss the Friday night hype videos. Oh, after all this, after <laughs> you know my, what? After- you know what? I, that is so funny. I will. I'll have to continue those. I'll have to continue those. Um, you know, when I get when I get on the Illini beat, I'll have to continue those for sure. Um, and just my reflection videos as well, because. Those were, and that's the, again, another thing I, that I forgot I even did. I mean, it was fun to do it um, and just to, you know, let people know that it's pretty cool to get paid to go to games. Well, you know, we've joked about it, but this is like, this is how I knew Friday night was over, you know, when we were winding down a little bit. <laughs> when, uh, you know, when the story was filed and uh, we have James <laughs> sitting in his car um, because a lot of his football game stories were filed from his car. I know, and uh, we get that little, uh, we get that little wrap up, and uh, you know, kind of the adrenaline rush being over of deadline and everything like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. You know, I'd usually still be in the office, you know, wrapping some things up. You know, and it's like, okay, that's kind of the signal to go home because we're, <laughs> we're, we're done. We're, we're done for the night. It's uh, another football Friday is in the books. Let's uh, let's move on. But uh, you know. Um, so what I would say, uh, what I'll say, just a quick programming note real quickly, um, Aaron Ferguson and I are going to carry on Region Roundup as uh, you and I carried on Region Roundup after Robbie Weinstein left. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you guys were doing it, uh, and uh, we think it's an important thing to continue. Uh, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe we can have you back as a special guest sometime, but uh, you know, again, we wish the best in your endeavors. Um, you know, we're going to take um, you know, I think that uh, I've been in this business a long time. Um, we've talked about this a little bit too. Um, 41 years as a full-timer, uh, which just boggles my mind to say that number because it honestly doesn't feel like that. You know, 41 years out of context sounds like a really, really long time. And I don't feel like, you know, I've been doing it for that long because I feel like I've still got stuff to learn. And I feel like, you know, the way I'm wrapping, going to wrap this up here right now is, is that, uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of really good people here at the Times. Um, you know, some of them have gone on to, a lot of them have gone on to major metro jobs elsewhere. Um, you know, I feel like uh, they've all been able to teach me something, too, because, you know, working with good people is, um, I would imagine you would agree with, you know, some of that stuff rubs off. You know, you see good habits, uh, you see good practices, you know, and you say, okay, well, that's, that's kind of an interesting way of looking at things. And that's one of the things that's been really, really uh, rewarding about working here with you and, again, with so many other people. Uh, we have a lot of people who are really committed to telling good stories. And that is what it is all about. Because, you know, at the bottom, at the end of the day, um, I've seen a ton of baseball games, basketball games, football games, track meets, so on and so forth. You know, and I mean... And writing a basic story about a game is not something that really interests me anymore. You know, I want to find mm-hmm. out what is the story there. You know, I mean, and just way up at the top of this podcast, you know, you mentioned about that little story that Andrew Richwalski was telling you about how Grace was going to just 
go once through the lineup and then, oh, you know, Grace is pitching pretty well. Why not leave her in? And that's the kind of stuff, you know, that informs our readers, you know, and really makes, takes the story to another level. I mean, you could have just written, you know, the stats, you know, Grace allowed two hits and struck out however many, you know, walked however many, but that's not really the story. Right. You know, the, the story is, is about how she pitched so well, you know, she basically <laughs> forced her coach to leave her in. So, and though we, you know, and that's the kind of stuff again, all that we, that we specialize in. We tell a lot of the good stories we have over the last three years. You're going to tell a lot more on the Illini beat, you know, uh, we'll still be here telling region stories and, uh, that's about all I can say. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. As always, uh, we will be back. Um, well, I'll be back. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, I'll be listening. There you go. Please get vaccinated. Uh, you know, we're so close. We're making so much progress. Um, obviously, fans back watching the Bulls and the Blackhawks in person. Um, you know, it's great to see things opening up again. And uh, that's all I have. But uh, it's been a great ride. Uh, James, thanks for everything. And uh, again, wish you the best of luck.